I dreamed a dream of time gone by. Well, there's no surprise there because I'm quite a movie fan. And I know it was a book first. But in my life, if it can do, be done in a two-hour film slot, it's more likely to happen. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of movies and films. And um, you'll probably pick up on a few references of quite a few over the next few sessions. Uh, not least this one, which I'll be referring back to. But uh, I wanted to share with you uh, part of my own my own private spiritual practice, practice before I signed up and leave a bit of a sweet or anything like that. Like that. Uh, again, uh, again, with this, this film imagery, there's a film called The Mummy, <laughs> uh, uh, and it's unsurprisingly set in Egypt, <laughs> uh, in, uh, in, in the pyramids. pyramids. And, uh, and there's, uh, there's something that they use the ancient, ancient technology, technology, which is perfectly outlined, outlined in the movie, movie which, which we know is all fact. All fact. Bear with me. Say, you've got a window in the top of the pyramid. And inside the pyramid, it's darkness, isn't it? But there's a big brass dish. And it's somebody's job to hold that big brass dish up. But stand behind the dish and aim the light from the window into the darkest corner of the pyramid. And that's how they illuminate the space. Now, because I, I work with imagery, that's how I, I'm a learner. When I pray, whenever I'm at the front of church, before I, before whatever I do... My private prayer is always, Lord, let this be about you. May I stand behind that brass disc. I don't want people to be looking at me. I want the light of Jesus to be shining into the darkness and to be illuminating what you would have us look at. And that's my prayer for this weekend. And I really, really trust that God is wanting to shine that light into the dark crevices. (laughs) And it's all about him. It's all about him. And that's what gives me the confidence to stand here, because it's not about me. It's about him. So we are looking at daring to dream. That's our theme for this weekend. Now, this, as you will recognize, is a footprints picture. Now, in my mother-in-law's I wouldn't say downstairs loo, but it's a bungalow, so it's just the loo. <laughs> They've got a poster of footprints, you know, the very famous uh, reflection on the footprint thing. Now, what she might not have picked up on is there's a typo on that, and I notice it every time and I look for it. No, you see, so if ever you're visiting Davina, have a little trip into the water closet, see if you can spot the typo. But they're beautiful words, aren't they? When there's one set of footprints, it's because we were carried. But we can all look back along our spiritual journey, can't we, and see those footprints. And that's a bit about what we're going to be doing this morning. Looking at the footprints of our journey. So as a church family together and personally on our own journey... But what we sang this morning in our first song, there was that word, in ten, that little line in 10,000 Reasons, isn't there? Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. And that's the hope of this morning. So it, it might get a little uncomfortable looking back, but it's so that we can be singing when the evening comes. And this is a really safe place. It's really hard to be vulnerable, isn't it? Especially when you're British, you don't do that. Stiff up a lip, keep calm and carry on, all that stuff. 
But this is our safe haven space where God is here and he's waiting for us to be real with him and to be vulnerable and courageous in that vulnerability. So James chapter 1, if you've got a Bible, open to James chapter 1. Now, this is the same uh, reading that I spoke on when I came uh, to talk to everybody a few months ago. So I could just play the talk, couldn't I? (laughs) I'm sure Aidan's got it somewhere. (laughs) So, James chapter 1. Are we all there? So we, we see who it's from. It's nicely addressed. James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. That covers us. <laughs> Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Well, let's just stop there. <laughs> We didn't get very far, did we? (laughs) Trials. Who knows about trials? We all know about trials because we're all human, aren't we? But if we're talking corporately as well, whether you've been part of Christchurch for decades or just a few months, you will have come across the the combined family history, won't you? And there there are things, there are joys, there are beautiful successes. There are times when we can rejoice where we've seen God moving. But also, like any family, there are some fairly deep hurts, aren't there, and disappointments because we're family and because we're human. So we're going to be focusing this morning on those trials, which is why I was saying it might get a little uncomfortable this morning, but it's so we can be singing when the evening comes. Now, again, when I came to speak to you in Christchurch, I talked about my car, my old car, when it went for its MOT, you might remember. Uh, and it failed on the fact that its headlights had gone dull because they'd been driving into the weather for 15 years and they'd effectively got cataracts because the weather had, <laughs> the weather had gone, <laughs> and, uh, and, and my poor car was feeling weathered and it needed its eyes wiping clean. Its eyes, sorry, my car's my baby. Its headlights, <laughs> they're not actually its eyes. <laughs> Needed its eyes, its its headlights wiping clean so that it could shine its light in a true fashion. And I think that's true of all of us, isn't it? Life takes the shine off. We get a bit weathered. That's just the way it is. And we need to come to God who will wipe our eyes clean and give us that fresh perspective. But this bit, consider it pure joy. I mean, is he having a laugh? Is he kidding? Pure joy when we face trials. I mean, that sounds a bit masochistic, doesn't it? That's a bit, that's just a bit odd. But I think what it means is we're being invited to get some perspective, aren't we? To step back for a minute out of the moment, out of the raw emotion, and to step back and to look for God in it, to look for those footprints, to look for when there's only one pair and we're being carried. And in that moment, we can find joy because we can find God in that moment. And that is the perseverance, isn't it? Because that's when we realize we're not alone. We're being carried. 
So looking back, I think it's really important to acknowledge the past so that we can turn and face the future. And I think we are so programmed to um, put stuff under the, sweep it under the carpet, forget about it, carry on. That's just what we do, isn't it? Bottle it up, move on, never face things. I don't think that's healthy. And I think that this weekend, come in. This weekend is our opportunity to face some of that stuff and not brush it under the carpet. Sometimes it's really important to feel heard, isn't it? So important to feel heard. Now, there's another film you, <laughs> you might have seen or you might not called Avatar. And uh, in that film, rather than say, I love you, they say, I see you. Isn't that beautiful? I see you. And I believe that God, by his Holy Spirit this weekend, is wanting to meet with us personally on an intimate level and say, I see you. I see you. Everything that's gone before. Every hurt, every joy, every disappointment, every bit of guilt, every bit of fear, every delight and success. I see you. And I want to talk to you about it. I want to be in relationship with you about that. I see you. So this is the safe place. And there's real permission from God to just talk to him about that stuff and not brush it under the carpet and not feel like you've got to get over it. Because he is here, the great comforter, who is longing to meet with us. So... Uh, I introduced my empty bottle last night. <laughs> For those of you that weren't here, last night, uh, this uh, is a bottle of Running Duck uh, Sauvignon Blanc, and it's empty. <laughs> and uh, we can feel like this, can't we? <laughs> we can feel like an empty, used-up bottle. And uh, the temptation is is to uh, either go and get another one, depending on <laughs> what kind of day it's been, uh, but you might say, all this bottle needs is refilling. Because that's, that's good, isn't it? We come to, come to God and we ask to be filled. That's good. That's appropriate. But for this, purposes of this weekend, this bottle has served its purpose, isn't it? That's empty. This is our past. That's gone. And this is the imagery of this weekend. So this bottle might have been great in the drinking. (laughs) Might have done its job. Might have been drank in whatever circumstance, but it's finished. So it's going in the recycling. But more than that, (laughs) that bottle (laughs) isn't going to (laughs) break. I practiced this. <laughs> right, we might be here a while. Feel free to come and have a go if this doesn't work. The carpets are clearly too lushy in this place. There we go. There is, no matter how painful or tempting, there is no going back. Our past is our past. 
There's no going back, is there? So often, we take these parts and we sit on them, don't we? And isn't that ridiculous? (laughs) Who wants to sit on that? But, you know, we wonder why some of our relationships are permanently fractured or why we're not hearing the call of God or our prayer life isn't moving forward. But we're choosing to be sat on that. That's distracting. (laughs) This is our past. And as painful and broken and fragile as that is, hanging on to it is not healthy. It's... Individually, it's all different. Every piece is broken differently. And how true is that of us? How true? Whether we're talking as a church family or individually, we are all broken differently. But there's no going back. I think that's quite a challenge, isn't it? So, we're going to come back and look at this in the next session. And I will uh, make sure there's no fragments on the carpet. (laughs) Leave that there. So I would like to, (coughs) excuse me, cough all over everybody. I would like to invite you, if you're feeling open to God, to just spend a couple of minutes privately and quietly just telling God. I mean, we know he was there anyway because of the footprints. But just telling God and articulating in the silence of our hearts how our journey has been and what those hurts might be and what those fractured, uncomfortable things that we're sitting on might be. And I'm going to play a song and it is going to be Susan Boyle, I Dreamed a Dream because I'm a movie fan, but it's a beautiful song. And it's about sometimes we've had disappointments And I find it a really good song for making, helping me to just get in the place to think about what I need to bring before God. Now I was going to play the uh, version from the more more recent film uh, with Anne Hathaway, but I couldn't get through that without crying and there'd be mascara everywhere. So we've gone with Susan Boyle because she's, you know, stalwart, she's ace. (laughs) So uh, Aidan, if you're able to play that, and I'm just going to sit down and literally a couple of minutes for the length of the song, just... I don't know how um, you found that. But what are the results of looking back at these things? What's the results of these trials that we've been through? They affect our now, don't they? And we're going to be looking at that a bit more in the next session. But we can be holding disappointment, can't we? We all know, we all know what, what that feels like. like. I know what disappointment feels like. You know, and, yeah, and maybe, maybe you've long, long run for reconciliation with something, and it's not, and it's not happening. happening. I'm looking at mum and dad now. Uh, many, uh, many of you will know that I've got a brother, uh, Miles, who's four years older than me. He um, was adopted into our family. 
when he was he was fostered when he was a baby, wasn't he? But he wasn't adopted until he was slightly older than Amelia is now. <coughs> and Miles, uh, growing up, was my hero. We played together. He was a great big brother. He really looked after me. And uh, and we have got, well, I've got a lot of precious memories of that time. When he uh, was 14, for a number of reasons, he left the family home. And he went to live with mum's sister. And over the course of time, that caused no end of fractured, broken relationships. And just like when a broken window or broken ice when you stand on a frozen lake, it's not just the impact, is it? Those fingers, those cracks, they spread out for years and years and years to come. Now, the sad truth is, Miles, as a man, because to me, he's still 14. He's actually in his mid to late 40s. (laughs) Miles, as a man, is still having those those cracks and those breaks, they're still raw. He's a damaged man, and I would say that to him (laughs) if I had any relationship with him. But God doesn't want that for us, does he? God doesn't want that for him. (laughs) My disappointment, one of my disappointments in life is that I had longed for reconciliation with that man. I want my brother back. I still want my brother back. I still pray to have my brother back. Mostly so I can slap him and whatever, you know, because he's my brother. (laughs) But living with disappointment, it hurts. And you know what? A couple of years ago, 18 months ago, out of nowhere, he got in touch. Out of nowhere. Is it? It's not four years ago. We haven't been in league four years. It's been a while. So we went years without any contact, or if there was contact, it was corrosive. Uh, And we have been kept at arm's length and had no contact with him. And it has been so painful, more so for mum and dad. I can't imagine, as a parent, can't imagine (laughs) the pain of that. But he got in touch for my birthday randomly. He texted me. I didn't even know how he had my number. <laughs> he texted me and said, happy birthday. Well, I, did I fall off my chair? I was in shock. And what followed on from that was about six months of light, of the light shining through. It was like he'd come to life. I don't know if you've seen, I'm back to films again, The Awakenings. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, it's a group of people in a, in a coma, a catatonic state in a hospital. And for some unexplained reason, they all come into consciousness and they enjoy a period of being lucid and enjoying life. But just like our relationship with Miles, for an unknown trigger, they all go back into their catatonic state. And that's where we're at. That's our reality. Miles has shut us out again, hasn't he? And it's painful. And that's more painful because we had a glimpse of what could be. And that's just hard, isn't it? And God's the God of reconciliation. So why isn't he doing it? (laughs) Why isn't he? I shouldn't be standing here saying that, should I? (laughs) Why isn't he? Because he is. (laughs) We're too close. And emotions get in the way, don't they? 
And this is our reality. Broken pieces. You know, just like my relationship with my brother Miles looks a bit like this. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to pray for that. I have no idea what God can do with that. No idea. But that doesn't mean God can't do anything with it. God can take that and recreate that for his glory. And he can do that with Miles, with our family, with our church. It doesn't matter how broken we are. We are not broken to the point where God can't use us for his glory. Now, um, having been in Christchurch since 95, I think it was, I said, I've, I've uh, journeyed through several vicars with you <laughs> and curates. And uh, what is it about Christchurch? There's a real rich heritage in growing vicars, isn't there? I mean, you've got some magic soil. <laughs> It's fantastic. I was trying to make a list in my head and you've got Paul Greenland. I don't know if you remember Paul and you've got uh, Janetta Stokes. You've got Matt. You've got Ben Griffiths. You've, there's loads, isn't there? Stuart Penny. And then you've got all of the, uh, the curates that came. You've got Derek Price and Ian Pallant and Mr. Stone, Reverend, Reverend Stone. And, uh, and our own Rachel. Hey! <laughs> Mia. And Ursula, well, she's in a league of her own, is our Ursula. <laughs> of course we don't forget Ursula. That is precious. And I think sometimes when you're in that, you don't see, but there is something God-given about that. There is something nurturing and living and vibrant about Christchurch that no amount of fractured brokenness can take away because look at the fruit. Wow. You guys are amazing, and it's all because of God. <laughs> that is fantastic. Isn't God faithful? He really is. We could all stand or sit and look back at Christchurch and think about, for me, in my earthly, worldly, whatever, it's really easy for me to say, when I first came to Christchurch, and sat, I was overwhelmed because I'd not been in a church service recently with more than 20 people anyway <laughs> but you know there were more than 20 people my age in a church and back then the demographic of Christ church was much more diverse with generations there were every generation lots and lots of people and it was a different time there are seasons and that's okay it was beautiful, and I'm so grateful for it. It shaped me. It kept me alive. It's really hard for me to stand here and say that, because my dad is my hero, <laughs> and he was the minister at the church I was raised in. But bless him. I mean, if anybody was had a hard time, <laughs> it, was, it was hard. It was hard work, wasn't it? It was hard. But I needed to. Go somewhere where I could be me and not the pastor's daughter. And I went, I came to you and I came to Christchurch 
in, and it was just transformational for me. And that is where I started to really own my faith. And it was a safe place to think about what I actually believe and to not necessarily contradict the things that I've been taught, but actually go, I'm going to own that. And it's really easy for us to look back at Christchurch and go, oh, but that was the golden era. That was when Gary was the vicar with his little guitar. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't that golden. (laughs) You know, that's when... There were, you know, 50 people in the music group and, you know, there, it, it, but that's, are we saying there were no challenges then? <laughs> that's this problem, isn't it? Just because they're cool. <laughs> I thank you. Where's that camera? <laughs> that's, this is me looking at Christchurch through my human rose-tinted heart-shaped spectacles. It's coming, isn't it? <laughs> I did literally ask for that, didn't I? It really are most on here now. Yeah. <laughs> but how many of us are still wearing these and yearning for something that has passed? Not saying the heritage doesn't live on. Because it does. And that's awesome. But if I look through these at that, that suddenly becomes a whole bottle again. <laughs> it's not the reality of it, is it? And so for so many of us, we can be looking back at, wasn't it great when Gary was the vicar, when Ralph was the vicar? That list is endless, isn't it? Wasn't it great when Adrian was here to lead worship? I don't know, it actually was great when Adrian was here to lead worship. (laughs) But this is the reality. And this is beautiful. You are beautiful. You really are. So whether we are carrying disappointment like me, about reconciliation. Or guilt. Who's not carrying guilt? I didn't know what guilt was until I became a mother. <laughs> and now, I mean, I can, I can make myself guilty about anything. Mother guilt. It's, there's probably a father guilt thing, but I, I guess, no, 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 there isn't. <clears throat> I was trying to throw you a bone there. <laughs> we all love to carry guilt. Or fear. Maybe we've been let down. Maybe we're carrying fear. Maybe we're adrift. Maybe we've done our job and it was great and God moved and it was awesome and we saw fruit and now that season is past. That's a scary place, isn't it? Maybe we're adrift. What does retirement look like? Maybe we're grieving. (laughs) I grieve for my brother. He's not dead. There's a really immature, nasty part of me that thinks maybe it would be easier if he was because then I could visit his grave. But God meets me in that. 
Maybe we're freewheeling because that's easier. Because we've tried pushing, we've tried mission, we've tried answering a call and we've got nowhere. So we're just freewheeling and that's okay for now. And that is because our God is gracious. He never forces himself on us. But today, he is here in this very room. And he is longing for us to say to him, kick me out of neutral. (laughs) Change me. Stop me holding this under my bottom on my chair. (laughs) Take it away so that I can focus on you. Because it's all about you. So we're going to go back to James. Because we haven't got very far, let's face it. (laughs) Excuse me. So James, verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That's a hopeful, that's full of hope, isn't it? And that's actually what this morning is about. And there's that challenge about maturity, isn't there? If we're serious about our discipleship and if we're searching for deeper maturity in our relationship, then perseverance is active. It's about how are we going to respond to God this weekend. And it goes on in verse 6 through to 8. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now on first reading... That sounds really harsh, doesn't it? <laughs> really does. Like God's going to go, oh no, you, I'm sorry, you, you're not worthy of it. You're not, I'm not going to give you anything. No, that's about us. Sometimes our heads and our hearts are so busy, aren't they? We can't, I can't string a sentence together sometimes. Never mind listen to that, that still small voice. And if I'm being blown about like the waves on the sea, I'm not going to be able to hear from God, am I? Because I'm going to be like, it's about finding that stillness and have that confidence. And we can have confidence in him. Because looking at verse 12, jumping ahead, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Blessed. Because having stood the test, That person will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. It's all about hope. It's all about hope. (coughs) But our richest future lies with acknowledging our past. And that's a challenge. And... uh, uh, Nipping across to Romans, in chapter 5, we've got this this beautiful phrase where... (coughs) Sorry, how do we get hope? Suffering leads to perseverance. 
which builds character, which gives fruit to hope. The whole point James is making is that perseverance is key because it's where we find our hope. It's where we find God in our darkest places. Now, going back to this, we all break differently. This is all different. Every piece is different. I don't know whether you're aware of... (coughs) Aidan, could we have the next uh, slide up? Lovely. This is kintsugi. (laughs) It's a, a Japanese art form, which is just precious. You might have come across it. It's awesome. So what happens is, if you get a pot and you break it, if you're me, you chuck it in the recycling or you chuck it in the bin and that's the end of it. That's a shame. What Kintsugi does, (laughs) what this art form does, is they honour the past of the pot. They gather the bits together and they mend it with gold. And they make beauty from the breaks. It's repurposed and it's held back together. And they're not disguising the fact it's been broken. There's none of this instant bond invisible glue. They're making a feature of the breaks because it's got a story and a history to tell. And we all break differently. But this weekend, God is here to put us back together and make a thing of beauty from us. Make a beautiful vessel that can be used in a new and wonderful way if we will allow him. So that is our story of hope. And we're not going to go on Believe in the lies that our past whisper to us, that we're not good enough, that we've failed too often in the past, that there are too many people reliant on us and we need to see to their needs first. The lies that, well, I've always done it, so that has to be what I still do. The lie that, the job is finished, you don't need to do anything anymore. We all believe these lies, don't we? And we're all in some way sitting on a piece of that glass. (laughs) And in the next session, we are not going to be sitting on a piece of that glass. Now, you'll be pleased to know that Matt is a a practical man. (laughs) This is how we compliment each other. Uh, We did Myers-Briggs years ago in Christchurch, didn't we? (laughs) And we were polar opposites in every way. And I was saying to Matt at home going... Yeah, I'm going to break the bottle, which I practiced, and then I'm going to like give out all the shards of glass. Matt's like, <laughs> you're really going to give out shards of glass? And I went, yeah, we find they're all adults. And he's like, your dad. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, okay, good point. <laughs> so the voice of reason here in the next session, you will not all have a piece of broken glass. You will get a piece of torn green paper because health and safety is important. Uh, but we're going we're gonna, to, in the next session, spend a, a bit of time being able to hand that stuff over to God and to move it out of our lives. And then what does that look like? So it's all about hope. Now, in uh, your little booklets, there's a couple of questions. Uh, to think about when you've got a minute, can I see where God was with me along my journey so far? 
Uh, I mean, you don't have to do that now. That's for later. But I would really encourage you. It's okay if the answer is no. (laughs) That's okay. That's real. Maybe find somebody here that you're close to and chat to them about that because they'll probably be able to see where God was in it. And this is about being family, isn't it? And helping each other. Does my past hold me back or make me fearful of the future? It's okay if that answer is no too. You don't have to imagine some issues. (laughs) How does no going back feel? How did it feel when that bottle got broken? Maybe that sparked a little, oh gosh, moment. So have a little think about that. There's a bit of optional reading as well. And, uh, and just allow God to use this safe space to uh, move you forward through into the next session. So we're going to stop now, if that's all right, because I think it'd be good to have a bit of space. And there will be prayer ministry available if anybody wants it. Uh, and so over to you. Thanks, Cathy.